0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 750th day together in the Word of God, and we get a two-for-one special today, two chapters in the Word of God, Isaiah 55 and Psalm 109, and they are glorious, wonderful chapters. Uh, You may think, Did we skip 108 in Psalms? Well, we're going to come back to that in a couple of days. But first, let's pray and dig into these two chapters together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. What a gift it is. What a treasure it is. You are God Almighty. You don't owe us anything. You don't have to speak to us. You don't have to reveal yourself to us. But you have chosen to do so by your grace. And you've given us a wonderful word full of precious promises. Today we are in one of the truly precious and gracious chapters in your word, a couple of them. Father, we pray that you'd be our teacher and our guide through these passages, and that you would write them on our hearts and cause us to believe your word and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food." Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you did not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord, while he may be found. Call upon him, while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly Pardon, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it, for you shall go out in joy, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Mm. Isaiah 55 might just be my second favorite chapter in Isaiah after Isaiah 53, but Isaiah 40 is up there too, and 61, and there's a lot of great chapters. Isaiah 9, it's a wonderful book, but surely this is one of the most gracious chapters in all of Scripture. If we understand what God is saying to us here, it is abundantly, wonderfully, impossibly gracious to us. It opens with an invitation, an impossible invitation, to come and buy when you have no money to come and get water and wine and milk without money and without price. How is that possible? What is this invitation that God is extending here? God is saying that he alone has the refreshment that our souls really need. He has the water for our thirst. He has the milk for our nutrition. He has the wine for our joy he has what we truly need. He has it, and he offers it to us at no charge. No charge to us. A gift. A gift is something that's given to free, for free to you, to you for free, but is paid for by another. And that's what God is extending here. He's extending to us the gift of grace, of refreshment, of forgiveness, of eternal life, of spiritual nourishment, of, of good of real, true, and everlasting good that is secured by God and then given to us for free. And then he asks us why it is that we're spending our money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy. Think of all the things in this world, the things this world offers that we would spend time and money on that ultimately cannot satisfy. Tomorrow in church, Our message from Isaiah 30 will be about the foolishness of going to Egypt for help when the help we need comes from the Lord. Here, very similarly, God says you spend your money on things that you think are going to bring you refreshment, and they don't actually bring you refreshment. Think of all the things that we get, entertainment, distraction, vacations, retreats, self-indulgences because we think they're going to do us some good and usually in the end they just leave us tired and empty and wanting more. Because the things of this world that can be bought with money are not things that can eternally satisfy. But God says, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And here we're getting an idea of how is it that we get this spiritual food from God? It's by listening. It's by hearing the word of the Lord. Delight yourselves in rich food. What is the food that God offers? He offers us himself, revealed to us through his word. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. God made a covenant with David saying that he would build him a house forever and that one of his descendants would be on the throne as king forever. And if we come to God through the greater son of David, who is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant through Jesus Christ, we are given this everlasting covenant with God where we belong to his kingdom and we have Jesus as our king to protect us and to provide for us. He is the one who is a witness to the people and a leader and a commander for the peoples. And he is the one who is expanding his kingdom so that a nation we don't know, a nation that did not know you will run to you because of the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So first to the people of Israel, first to the uh, people of Judah and Jerusalem through the Davidic King, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then to the world. The gospel was first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. It's first to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are brought in to this kingdom. We're brought in to this king. We're brought into the tent under the protection, under the throne of the good and gracious King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God invites us, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The invitation is open. Anyone can come to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ, can claim this protection, this blessing, this covenant kingdom, but we need to turn our backs on the ways of the world. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We don't need to clean ourselves up first. We just need to turn to the Lord. We don't need to get rid of all of our sin. We need to just come to God to be forgiven of our sin because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His, his ways are as high, much higher than ours as the heavens are higher than the earth. You see, if we were dealing with a rebel, if we were a king, if I was a king and I was dealing with rebels within my kingdom who had gone after the enemy, who had conspired with the enemy to commit treason against me, I wouldn't just allow them to come to me and be forgiven. I would probably just demand payment from them. But here's where the Lord is not like us. The Lord is the king. We've committed treason against him. We've conspired with the enemy. And he simply says, come, seek me, turn to me, and I'll have compassion on you. And I will abundantly pardon you. All we have to do is turn to him and come to him and seek him. And he is gracious and wanting to be found by us. As the rain and the snow, he says, come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth sprout, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. When God sends out his word through the prophet Isaiah, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the scriptures as they are read and taught today, as God sends out his word, it always accomplishes what he wants. It always brings forth two things. Seed to the sower, it gives us It gives us material to then go and sow into the lives of others. Remember the parable of the four soils? Jesus, I think, is taking some of that imagery from this this passage, among others, where we're given seed as sowers. We get it from the word of God, but we also get nourishment for ourselves, bread for the eater. We ourselves get to feast on Christ. We ourselves get to have our sins forgiven. We ourselves get to receive abundant pardon, but then we also get seed to sow to others, as we tell them about Jesus, as we tell them about this king and his kingdom. And when we sow, it doesn't return empty, because when we sow, the word is going forward, and it will, in the lives of the people we give it to, it will nourish them, and it will give them seed for sowing, and that's how the gospel spreads, that's how the kingdom spreads. God accomplishes his purpose through his living and active word, through his powerful, mighty word that goes out through us as we eat it and are satisfied, and then we sow it and see the increase come. He says, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The kingdom of God is is fundamentally a kingdom of joy and peace, joy in the Lord and peace with and from the Lord. There is victory there is triumph not because of anything we've done but because of what jesus has done and we are blessed to be able to share this good news with the nations and to see even the transformation of life from being a life of hardship thorn and briar that's the curse on the ground from adam that the ground is cursed life is full of hardship difficulty but instead that difficulty is transformed. Cypress and myrtle means life becomes productive. Life becomes fruitful. As a name for the Lord, as an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. We are redeemed from a life of frustration and futility to a life of joy and peace. Does it mean we don't suffer? No, it doesn't mean we don't suffer. But even in our suffering, even in our affliction, we see the goodness of God because of his grace to us in Jesus. All right, psalm 109 is written to the choir master. It's a psalm of David. Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be accounted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children wander about and beg, seeking food far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He loved to curse. Let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing. May it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat. May it soak into his body like water like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. But you, O Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me, for I am poor and needy and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. With my mouth, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him From those who condemn his soul to death. Psalm 109. It's quite a shocking follow-up to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 so gracious, so kind, so generous. And here we could even think that Psalm 109 is being petty and vindictive, but no, this is not what's happening here. What's happening here in Psalm 109 is the betrayal of Christ by Judas. And his being taken away to the cross. It's going to be followed up next time. Well, next time we're in the Psalms, we'll be in Psalm 108. But the psalm that comes right after this is Psalm 110, where the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, which is the exaltation of Christ. This is the betrayal. the, The betrayal of Christ by Judas. And this is his unjust trial. And it shows how he's trusting in the Lord. I've mentioned this before as we've been in the Psalms. But the Psalms, one way to look at them is as the prayer book of Jesus. That these reflect the heart of Christ and his prayers during the days of his incarnation. And so the Lord here is really talking about Judas. And we know that because verse 8 May his days be few, may another take his office. This was directly quoted by the apostles in Acts chapter 1 when they were finding a substitute, a replacement for Judas, and Matthias was chosen to be an apostle and to take Judas's place. They quoted Psalm 109, verse 8, to explain that, and that really helps us to understand that all of this is about Judas. So, how do we understand the Judases? Well, the Judases. There's the the actual Judas historically, but then there are other Judases in the world. Those are those who who have received the gracious invitation of Isaiah 55, who have seen the king, who know that the king is the king, that he is gracious, and that he's inviting them, but they would rather serve their own selfish desires. They are willing to betray Christ, betray his people, in order to get rich, in order to get their own selfish desires. The Judases today are people who are ministers of the gospel, but only doing so as a get-rich-quick scheme for themselves. People like Benny Hinn and fake faith healers and prosperity gospel preachers who figured out that in religion is a way to make a lot of money. And they are Judases because they've gotten close to Christ outwardly, and they've seen in Christ not a Lord to be served with to receive grace from his hand, but rather an opportunity to enrich themselves. And so they steal out of the money bag, and they would betray Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Those people are despised and judged. And it's not that the gracious invitation of Isaiah 55 is not for them. It's that they've heard it, and they've said, Eternal life, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God. No thank you, I'd rather have lots of money for myself now. And so they are condemned. They are condemned. Instead, though, God will take care of his own. And God will, just as God vindicated Christ and brought him back from the dead and and. Vindicated him through the the trial and the agony and the suffering into eternal life. So God will vindicate his servants who trust in him even in the face of False disciples and false teachers and betrayers of Christ the judases of the world. We need to remain Faithful Even if it means we're weak even if it means we're rejected We will be saved by the steadfast love of the Lord if We abide in Christ and when God redeems us, we will give thanks to him and we will praise him and we will be with him forever. So really, even judgment, and we'll see this again tomorrow as well in Isaiah 30, even judgment when it comes from God is grace to his people because it's deliverance from the enemies that pursue us because they hate God. We can trust in God. We can trust in God to give us all the good that we need, as well as to deliver us from the hands of ruthless enemies in his good timing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace, your grace to provide, your grace to redeem, your grace to forgive, and your grace to deliver and to avenge the wrongdoing done against your people. You are just and holy and gracious in all your ways. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for this interesting double take from Isaiah and from Psalms. Tomorrow, we're going to continue on with Isaiah 56. Have a blessed day in the Lord.